business, government, religion, family issues, and more. Find it all right here on 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, May 10th. Seven people were left stranded Friday on a dock after the ramp collapsed. The dock ramp collapsed on the 13-and-a-half-mile marker of the Niagara Arm, and the group on the dock were stranded. Mid-County Fire Protection District arrived on the scene, disconnected the electricity on the dock, and brought the group to safety on a fire district boat. There were no injuries reported. More information at lakeexpo.com. A major rock collapse closed two lanes of traffic on Highway 242 yesterday. The rock collapse was triggered by demolition taking place on a property alongside the highway. Lake Ozark Police partially closed traffic as machinery from the demolition site cleared the rocks. Cleanup is expected to be completed by today. More information at lakeexpo.com. And it was a close call for multiple boaters who found themselves in big trouble on the Osage River Saturday night. The Lake Ozark Fire Protection District was called to respond to a sinking boat and a rescue boat was dispatched. Authorities found the sinking boat by using the boater's GPS on their cell phone. The occupants were found downstream where they had managed to climb onto some rocks. They were rescued by a Lake Ozark fire boat and were evaluated by paramedics. More information at lakeexpo.com. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. Lakeexpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. The sports world still buzzing over the Kentucky Derby last weekend. It was uh, the Derby on Saturday, the first leg of the Triple Crown, and what a shocker. The longest shot horse going into the race comes out the winner. Rich Strike had 80-1 to 1 odds to win, charged up the rail down the stretch, and wins the Derby uh, over the two favorites. It was the second highest payoff upset in the Derby's 148-year history. So next up, the second leg of the Triple Crown, the Preakness. That'll be May 21st. We'll see if Rich Strike can keep that up. Huge game tonight for the Blues. Game five of their first-round series against Minnesota. Series all tied up at two wins apiece. The Blues won the first game 4-0 in Minnesota, then lost the next two, 6-2 and 5-1. They won game four on Sunday, 5-2 at home. So now they're in Minnesota game five tonight. It's a pivotal game. 
winner will have a uh, much better chance to go on and win the series if they can get the win tonight. As for college baseball, the uh, season continues for the Mizzou Tigers and MSU Bears, but they're getting close to their postseason tournaments. So Mizzou is 25-20 and 20 on this season. They've got a three-game series this weekend against Florida. That will be at home. The MSU Bears, 22-22 and 22 on this season. They're busy tonight at Southeast Missouri State. Then they've got a three-game series at home against Illinois State this weekend. As for softball, the ladies are into their conference tournaments now. The Mizzou ladies head into the SEC tournament with a 33-19 and 19 record. Pretty good season for the uh, the Mizzou ladies. The MSU ladies are 25-18 and 18 as they head into the Valley Tournament. They will be hosting that in Springfield this weekend. As for the big boys, the Cardinals 16-12. and 12. They were off yesterday. They will be at home to Baltimore today. As for Kansas City, they come up short losing in Baltimore yesterday. That was a makeup game for a rainout last week. So the Royals struggling a little bit on the season. They're 9-17. and 17. They are still on the road at the Rangers today. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7, 5, and 11 every single day. Be sure to check that out. Lake TV bringing you five local Lake Area shows. Lake TV can be seen on Como Channel 90, absolutely free. Also absolutely free on Roku. Just do a search for Lake TV. On Facebook, Lake TV with 40,000 Facebook followers. Be sure you're one of them. And streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. Portions of our programming on Key Radio made possible thanks to Lake TV. Lake TV is your hometown local TV station. Featuring Cup of Coffee with Will and Chris, What's Burning with KB, Live High School Sports, Real Estate, dining, boating, and, of course, the annual Lake of the Ozarks shootout. Lake TV on Como Connect, Channel 90, Roku, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram, and, of course, online at MyLakeTV.com. If it's happening at the lake, it's happening on Lake TV. The Serving Table provides free meals at Key Gathering Place, Wednesdays 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. and Thursdays 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. It's the continuing mission of Jacob and Carly Lamb to serve people in need. But this is not just about free food. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Spiritual food is as great a need as the meals Jacob prepares, and we need volunteers to join in so the Serving Table can open every day. Learn more at KeyGatheringPlace.com or search Facebook before the serving table.
This is your chance to get involved in Community Radio Lake of the Ozarks with 89.3, The Key. Hey, good morning. It is 8.08, 74 degrees, man. Kind of a barn burner yesterday and uh, another barn burner on uh, on the uh, agenda for today as far as the weather is concerned. Uh, we're going to have several rather warm days for uh, folks in and around this particular area for this uh, time of year. Uh, not to anything that I guess is truly out of the ordinary. Maybe a few record breakers in there looking for a high today of around 91, 72, the overnight low. We could uh, see a few clouds and, again, the wind getting up there. Now, I would, uh, again, check with your local fire protection district as far as doing any open burning today. I know a lot of folks have got uh, some debris left over from, uh, I don't know, yard waste or whatever. But check with your local fire protection district to get the official word. 94 tomorrow, 94 Thursday, 86 with some showers and thunderstorms possible on Friday in the afternoon, evening. Uh, Morning showers and thunderstorms possible on Saturday, high of 82, and then partly cloudy and 75 on Sunday. Uh, I don't know what school of thought you subscribe to when it comes to the weather, but it looks like, uh, well, it's about time for us to adjust the thermostat accordingly. And Mother Nature is doing a fine job of that, letting us know that, uh, hey, we need to make sure to uh, take some proper precautions during this particular time, staying hydrated, being at the top of the list. Uh, And then, of course, don't forget, uh, you know, check on people that may not have adequate cooling facilities in their home. It might take them a fan or something like that or invite them into your home. There are places where you can go. Some of the uh, public libraries offer uh, cooling centers uh, during their regular business hours, but you might give them a call first before you just show up. And don't forget to take care of the pets. Make sure they've got plenty of water, plenty of shade. Bring them in from time to time if they are typically an outdoor pet. 810 is our time. We've got Lydia Porter coming up to talk with us next hour. She is a candidate who is running for presiding commissioner of Camden County. Right now, though, let's bring in our good buddy, Dan Was. Dan, of course, is the author of the Good Gun, Bad Guys series. And we uh, bring Dan on to talk about things related to uh, uh, the Second Amendment because he is a huge Second Amendment advocate. Dan Was, good morning to you, sir. How in the world are you? Huh. Yeah, we do have kind of a bad connection. You're right. There we go. <laughs> That's better. How's it going over there? It's going all right. It's going all right. Um, got a new toy that we are uh, utilizing here that uh, is is going to make life a little bit easier for us uh, at Key Radio. So I apologize uh, that we didn't have it all set up properly for you when you called in, but uh, we've got you now. And, you know, here recently, I, and, and I'm excited to kind of talk about this, you were a, a speaker at a pretty big event going on, uh, was it down in South Carolina here recently? Yeah, over the weekend, I, um, I was asked to speak at the Rock the Red event, and uh, it was a man, it was patriots from all over the country. What a great event! I, I got the opportunity to speak and meet with um, Roger Stone and Lara Trump, and uh, and just a lot of great speakers. Uh, so so I I was the only uh, Second Amendment guy. So I talked on on Second Amendment gun rights, and I talked mostly about the anti-gun propaganda, trying to help people understand uh, the the political left's 
uh, strategies and tactics, you know, with respect to changing the gun narrative and influencing the way people think about guns. Uh, so, so I, I had a, that was, you know, that, that's kind of in my, in my court. So I, I really enjoyed that. Had a great time. They, it was just a fantastic event. If anybody can get the chance next year, I think they're going to be hosting it again, um, to, to definitely check that out. Yeah, most definitely. I, I got to say that, uh, you were in some pretty good company and, the, uh, the the discussion or uh, your portion of uh, uh, of this event, what uh, what were some? You, you said you talked obviously about the Second Amendment, but uh, what were some things that uh, uh, really kind of stood out to you, or, or, or some things that you talked about that you really wanted to impress on people regarding the Second Amendment? Well, I think <clears throat> I, I always I, well, I try to go back to the basics from time to time and, and talk about the basic terminology that they use that we hear about every day, the stuff we hear in the media, you know, things like assault weapon, how they use that term to scare people, um, how that term was created when really created and brought to the public forum when Dianne Feinstein was looking to push for the so-called assault weapons ban. Um, so we talk about assault weapon and the, and the terms and how they influence. And then we talk about uh, weapons of war, how how Obama and Hillary brought that term uh, to the forefront. <clears throat> and we talked about, you know, the, uh, the, the big daddy of them all, gun violence, um, why those two words are used together, um, you know, how, uh, how, well, how there's no such thing as gun violence. It, it just doesn't exist. What we're talking about is human violence. But if we can implement a term like gun violence into the conversation, People, you know, our brains naturally will, will gravitate toward visualizing some sort of violence and the gun being the cause. And that's the idea of putting those two words together, gun violence. But we all know that violence as a behavior can only be acted out by an animal or a human. So it's really a fake term, but it works on people who don't know any better. And then we talked about ghost guns. And that's the new thing that I've been really working hard on because... Ghost guns, again, is a term that people use to scare people who don't know any better uh, into supporting universal background checks. Now, universal background checks, everybody knows, is really just a, a kind of a gateway to uh, a gun registry. Uh, they want every gun background checked and serialized so they can create a gun registry, and that way government can have access and can be able to track and trace your guns right to your front door. Um, and, and like I say, I don't remember reading in the second amendment, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed unless <laughs> the government can't track your guns to your front door. Right. <laughs> so, right. so, so those are some of the things. And then I talked about some more nuanced, uh, terms and things that they use, like nobody needs an assault weapon. You know, what, why need? Why do they put the word need in there? And that's mm -hmm. to, to imply that there's, that there's uh, you know, that, that gun ownership should be measured by some metric of need, which it should obviously not. Um, so lots of stuff like that. I can go further. I can, we can go all day on this stuff if you'd like. But that's kind of a basic idea of what we talked, what I talked about. I thought of something the other day when uh, I heard about this uh, disinformation board, uh, this group. Uh, now, something that the FCC commissioner, Brendan Carr, has uh, come out against saying that it is unconstitutional 
because uh, now you're going to have this group that uh, apparently is uh, is going to be deciding what is good information, what is bad information. And I was just kind of curious if we might not get some information about firearms that goes through this uh, disinformation board. <laughs> because, of course, the whole point of the disinformation board is to protect this country and, uh, you know, keep our national security and things like that in mind. And And I thought about this the other day. I thought, you know what, I bet you any amount of money um, – that uh, your your odds are better than this uh, horse that won the Kentucky Derby that um, we're going to hear some things about firearms through the disinformation board and how they're going to really utilize this uh, new weapon, if you want to call it that, this new tool, weapon, whatever you want to call it, uh, as far as the Second Amendment, gun owners, and uh, and just the future of uh, of certain things in this country, based on this uh, this board of people that are this this what's it, what they call it the disinformation board uh, a governance board or something is the official title I believe and and how this is going to be utilized as a tool uh, against certain groups certain organizations uh, in this country. What do you think? Well, I think it's a horrible, horrible way to uh, treat your your fellow citizens. Uh, but let's not put that past the Democrats. I mean, they they don't care about their fellow citizens as long as their fellow citizens agree with them. So, of course, they're going to try anything like this. And this is exactly what China is doing. Uh, it seems like the Democrats are just following. It. When China implements something, the Democrats want to do it here in America. <laughs> but I mean, the, rea- the the truth is, you know, real Americans real Americans, not those lefty Democrat, left-wing radicals. Real Americans stand by the Constitution and Bill of Rights, and we support that. And we understand just how valuable it is. So in my little little corner of the gun conversation, you know, the stuff that I do is I call them out on their fake terms, and because nobody else is doing it. And what I try to do is help people understand, like we talk about the, the term gun violence, you know, they're going to use that as much as they can um, because it, it really influences people in the way we visualize. So, but, but, you know, the fact is guns are used two and a half million times per year in America at, defensively to you know, potentially save lives. And that doesn't necessarily mean good guys killing bad guys most often means, 95% of the time, means just brandishing the gun. Just the, the mere presence of a good gun deters the bad guy. So they, they don't want to talk about how guns are used a vast number amount more to, to save lives than they're used to take them. So the way I look at it is we shouldn't be talking about gun violence. We should be talking about gun benevolence <laughs> and how guns are used... Um, in, as, act, as an act of kindness, as an act of good, because it saves lives. It prevents uh, unnecessary death. Uh, it protects good people. Gun benevolence is something that they will probably, you know, if they hear about it, they'll probably try to ban such a thing if their stupid little little committee comes together. Uh, but that's, that's just it. This is, just a, this is a war of, of speech, a war of narrative, and 
capturing uh, and manipulating the thought process of as many people as possible. That's, that's what they want to do. All we're trying to do is bring the gun conversation back to an honest gun conversation with real statistics, real, uh, real data, and honest terminology. I think that uh, it's interesting when you sit down with someone and you have an honest conversation with them about firearms, how little people actually know and how the information that they receive is basically what they hear on the news. You know, the mainstream media that yeah. uh, goes around trying to poison the uh, the conversation with any any terms that they can come up with that they think will really grab people's attention. Gun violence, uh, assault rifles, uh, assault weapons, you know, just things that really most people don't understand or even know anything about. Because if you were to ask some of these people, you know, have you ever seen one? Have you ever handled one? Have you ever fired one? And, you know, yeah. what is it What is it that, that really, I think, kind of sets... Uh, a good tone if you go into a situation where you might encounter some problems or some issues. Well, um, for the bad guys, it's whether or not they think that uh, someone might very well be carrying a firearm of, of some way, shape, or form. If it's conceal and carry, whatever. If it's a constitutional carry where you can put it right out there for everybody to see. And and I think that's really, you know, you, you talk about gun benevolence, and maybe even uh, we could use uh, the word, uh, I, I don't know that the gun deterrent is, is, is a right phrase to use, but uh, you think about it for a minute, and you just, you know, you're, you're, you're walking down the street, and you don't know who around you is there to cause you harm, but that person might think twice, or maybe even three or four times, based on the sheer fact that they... Uh, I don't know if uh, the person that they're about to interact with for, uh, you know, criminal or illegal means may very well have a firearm. It, uh, you know, don't be surprised that little old lady walking down the street there doesn't pull one out of her purse if she feels threatened or, or something along those lines. But, right. and, and, and that, you know, that, that I think is, especially in this day and age where, Gosh, Dan, I mean, I don't know where you grew up, but I know I've lived uh, at least a place or two here at the lake where we never had to lock our doors, and that means our car doors or our doors on our homes because we didn't have people in and around our neighborhood that were there to uh, to do us harm. But now it's uh, pretty standard that uh, you want to make sure you not only have, let's say, a, a regular lock on your door, but maybe a deadbolt or something else to uh, kind of back that up. And it... Uh, it, it just kind of strengthens the whole thought process when somebody entering a home, let's say to uh, do a home invasion or to uh, to, to rob you, uh, might not uh, come to your house or try to break in your home if they think that uh, someone there may very well have, uh, have a firearm. So uh, there are a lot of positive things and positive um, ideas, if you will, that firearms can create without even having to pull the trigger. You know what I mean? It, uh, it, it it's, a, it's a situation now where a lot of people, uh, you know, they want some form of protection for themselves, for their families, and uh, they're willing to take whatever means necessary in order to obtain that, uh, uh, that firearm or firearms in some cases. I know a lot of people, especially here at the Lake of the Ozarks, they're 
uh, are a lot of people that have multiple firearms in their homes. And, you know, we really don't seem to have any issues or any problems with it here at the lake. But uh, I know in other areas uh, there are people who would uh, like to see uh, the citizenry uh, be unarmed all the time, every time, and uh, pretty much just be like uh, like sitting ducks, I guess, if you want to use that term. Well, you know, you talked about, you know, growing up in, in the, our environment. You know, I was... Uh, long-haired, BMX-riding, skateboard-riding, rock-and-roll kid in the suburbs and in the 80s. And and I never, you know, my family, we always left the doors open, bicycles, all the friends would come over, bicycles on the front yard. It was it was just a, a different a different time, and we never locked the doors. My dad had guns, of course, but they weren't necessarily used for, uh, for self-defense kind right. of thing. So right. you know, now it's different. It's a lot different. We're well protected now. <laughs> so let's just let's just say, if you want to get me, get me while I'm in the pool, because that's the only time. <laughs> get you while you're in the pool. <laughs> well, Dan, I will tell you that I think that uh, uh, there are a lot of different ways that people are even protected when they're in the pool, and uh, and the only. Well, yeah. Only, only way for somebody to find out is to uh, try and start trouble with with someone because I would say that uh, they probably make some sort of a firearm that you can either keep close by or you know who, who knows if if they even have something that's waterproof. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, right, well, it, it, you know, in my situation, there's always one close by. But but like, I, just to make the point, you right. know, it's like now people, uh, you know, and most of the most of the people that I surround myself with are always armed. I mean, it's just part, you know, you, you, you have a few bucks in your wallet, you have a good charge on your cell phone and you have a nine millimeter in your belt. I mean, just, you know, these are, these are things that, you know, may come in handy. Uh, it's just, that's just the way, the way we live now. Most, well, I mean, most people do, I, I think, I, you know, it's just, it's funny because I do realize there's a lot of people who do just walk around all the time unarmed uh, defenseless and don't have any guns in the house to protect themselves. And when I study the numbers of, of number of people in this, in this country and the number of violent attacks, you know, we have about a hundred, one in a, one in, one in 174 chance or one in 200 chance of being the victim, something like that, about around one in 200 chance of being the victim of a violent attack. I don't like those odds. I mean, out of 200 people, somebody's going to be attacked. I, I don't want it to be me. So that's just uh, that's the self-defense aspect of it, and it could be done very responsibly and uh, very respectfully. Uh, but I think self-defense must be at the top of, of people's uh, agenda. Anymore, it has to be, you know, and, and and it's it's a shame that it's come to that. It it really is that you know people can't walk the streets, can't feel safe in their own uh, neighborhoods in their own homes sometimes. And uh, with what we hear about in terms of, uh, you know, places like Chicago and other uh, issues in major cities where, you know, every, uh, I, and I haven't seen the statistics out of Chicago uh, for a while, but I, I know that that used to be something that um, 
certain news agencies focused on. They would focus on the violence uh, that took place, the shootings and things uh, that took place in in these neighborhoods in Chicago, and you would you would see some pretty astounding numbers of the people that were injured and killed, and uh, you know even people that were uh, unfortunately uh, in a place where a stray bullet found its way into their home somehow. And, uh, you know, somebody was hit by that bullet or, or killed by that bullet. And, you know, you, you hear about the, the little kids and, uh, you know, the innocent people that are just minding their own business, not doing, any, doing anything. And how that, um, how that really, you know, if I would, if, 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 if I would have ever been in a position of, of like, say, a political office and I would have heard things like that, I would have said, well, why aren't we allowing our citizenry to legally go out and obtain firearms and use them properly and get the education, get the training, uh, you know, do all the things necessary in order to, uh, to, to, to have a firearm in the event you find yourself in a situation like this? I, I think it almost makes sense. But then, you know, they would say, oh, you're turning the town into the old west. You know, it's, it's the good guys versus the bad guys. And. You know, maybe not all the good guys are uh, going to do good things, but I would say any law-abiding citizen that is concerned about their personal safety, their safety of their families, it, 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 it you know, they're going to go through the steps necessary in order to get the proper training, to, to get the education, to learn how to use the firearm properly because they don't, number one, they don't want it to fall into the wrong hands. And, uh, and number two, they, they definitely don't want to uh, uh, shoot, injure, or kill someone that, uh, you know, that just happens to be a, an innocent bystander. So I feel like these folks are, are going to make the effort each and every time to, uh, to do the job and, and do the job properly. Well, yeah, and, and you mentioned, I think you mentioned Chicago, you know, the, it, the truth is, and the reality of this whole thing is, is that where there's more gun control, there's there, there's more violence. Mm-hmm. And Chicago, there were there were four. I did a I did some research on uh, the on on this a while back, and it came up with four four cities um, t- created the most violent twenty five percent of the violence in the country. Four cities, and that was Chicago, Detroit, D.C., and. I think Baltimore, and those those numbers change a little. Those those cities will change a little bit, but they're right, all right. very highly gun restricted Democrat run cities. Um, it's because people can't protect themselves. You know, funny thing is when they I don't know how much time we have here, KB, but um, real quick, the funny thing is that when places like Chicago blame their violence on other surrounding states because people are going, they're saying that the people are going into other states getting guns and bringing them back into Chicago mm-hmm. and blaming the guns and blaming the gun laws and the guns. But my thought is, if you're going into, what, Indiana? I think Indiana's connecting state to state. Um, if you're going into another state to get guns, and those guns are the cause of the violence, well, then why aren't the people in those states killing themselves at the same rate that they are in Chicago? <laughs> and, and the, right? The truth is because people in Chicago can't defend themselves, and the people in surrounding states can. And it, it all comes down to the, the best medicine, for a bad guy is uh, someone who is uh, carrying uh, a good, you know, good person with a gun. 
It is 831. Uh, Dan, we're going to step aside. Uh, if you can hang out with us for a little bit here, we're going to uh, jump in with a quick uh, information break, and then we'll come back and talk some more with the author of the Good Gun, Bad Guy series, Second Amendment Advocate, Dan Wass, joining us here on The Daily Show. Stacy Johnson from LakeExpo.com. Chris Schneider from Lake TV. It's information and uh, check of sports. And we'll get right back to the conversation. Don't forget Lydia Porter joining us in hour number two. She is uh, running for presiding commissioner of uh, Camden County. Thanks for listening to The Daily Show. Stacey Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, May 10th. Seven people were left stranded Friday on a dock after the ramp collapsed. The dock ramp collapsed on the 13.5-mile marker of the Niagara Arm, and the group on the dock were stranded. Mid-County Fire Protection District arrived on the scene, disconnected the electricity on the dock, and brought the group to safety on a fire district boat. There were no injuries reported. More information at lakeexpo.com. A major rock collapse closed two lanes of traffic on Highway 242 yesterday. The rock collapse was triggered by demolition taking place on a property alongside the highway. Lake Ozark Police partially closed traffic as machinery from the demolition site cleared the rocks. Cleanup is expected to be completed by today. More information at lakeexpo.com. And it was a close call for multiple boaters who found themselves in big trouble on the Osage River Saturday night. The Lake Ozark Fire Protection District was called to respond to a sinking boat and a rescue boat was dispatched. Authorities found the sinking boat by using the boater's GPS on their cell phone. The occupants were found downstream where they had managed to climb onto some rocks. They were rescued by a Lake Ozark fireboat and were evaluated by paramedics. More information at lakeexpo.com. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Programming on Key Radio made possible in part by Skelton Key and Lock. When you're locked out of your home, car, or business, every second counts. You need to be sure that the company you choose will answer the call and get to you as quickly as possible. Skelton Key and Lock offers reliable service, reasonable rates, and they're recommended by everyone. They can cut and program new keys and fobs. They can install new locks on your home, business, or rental property. If you can stick a key in it, chances are it can be serviced by Skelton Key and Lock serving the entire lake area. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. The sports world still buzzing over the Kentucky Derby last weekend. It was uh, the Derby on Saturday, the first leg of the Triple Crown, and what a shocker. The longest shot horse going into the race comes out the winner. Rich Strike had 80-1 to 1 odds to win, charged up the rail down the stretch, and wins the Derby uh, over the two favorites. It was the second highest payoff upset 
in the Derby's 148-year history. So next up, the second leg of the Triple Crown, the Preakness. That'll be May 21st. We'll see if Rich Strike can keep that up. Huge game tonight for the Blues. Game five of their first-round series against Minnesota. Series all tied up at two wins apiece. The Blues won the first game 4-0 in Minnesota, then lost the next two, 6-2 and 5-1. They won game four on Sunday, 5-2 at home. So now they're in Minnesota game five tonight. It's a pivotal game. Winner will have a uh, much better chance to go on and win the series if they can get the win tonight. As for college baseball, the uh, season continues for the Mizzou Tigers and MSU Bears, but they're getting close to their postseason tournaments. So Mizzou is 25-20 and 20 on this season. They've got a three-game series this weekend against Florida. That will be at home. The MSU Bears, 22-22 and 22 on this season. They're busy tonight at Southeast Missouri State. Then they've got a three-game series at home against Illinois State this weekend. As for softball, the ladies are into their conference tournaments now. The Mizzou ladies head into the SEC tournament with a 33-19 and 19 record. Pretty good season. For the uh, the Mizzou ladies, the MSU ladies are 25 and 18 as they head into the Valley Tournament. They will be hosting that in Springfield this weekend. As for the big boys, the Cardinals 16 and 12. They were off yesterday. They will be at home to Baltimore today. As for Kansas City, they come up short, losing in Baltimore yesterday. That was a makeup game for a rainout last week. So the Royals struggling a little bit on the season. They're nine and seventeen. They are still on the road at the Rangers today. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7, 5, and 11 every single day. Be sure to check that out. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. Lake TV can be seen on Como Channel 90, absolutely free. Also absolutely free on Roku. Just do a search for Lake TV. On Facebook, Lake TV with 40,000 Facebook followers. Be sure you're one of them. And streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. Programming on Key Radio made possible through a generous donation from Victoria Station. Misty Atkinson talks about the very incredible and popular wall art you'll find at Victoria Station. We've always been known for our wall arts. Um, We have a large selection of both metal art and framed art canvas prints in traditional and in uh, the nautical themes. And so we're a destination for wall art. We're also known for a large variety of lamps. We like cool, unique lamps that'll give give lighting in your living area, not just a utility lampshade there that's producing light, but to add the decorative features to that. Um, We are going to feature a section in the store of American-made products. Some of those are locally sourced and some of those from the Midwest, and we're, we're really excited to be able to do that. We're still located at 5465 Osage Beach Parkway, just off the Case Road exit, and the best way to find us online is on Facebook at Victoria Station. We are open daily 9.30 to 5.30. Bikers Against Child Abuse, BACA, exists with the intent to create a safer environment for abused children. We exist as a body of bikers to empower children to not feel afraid of the world in which they live. We stand ready to lend support to our wounded friends by involving them with an established, united organization. If you'd like to know more about BACA, please visit our website at b 
A-C-A world.org or call 1-866-71-ABUSE. This is your chance to get involved in community radio, Lake of the Ozarks, with 89.3, The Key. Hey, folks, welcome back. Glad to have you with us on the Tuesday edition. Another hot day ahead of us. Uh, looks like we're going to get a high somewhere around 91 degrees before it is all said and done. And, uh, again, some uh, hotter days to come. Looks like uh, 72 for the overnight low, back up to 94 with sunshine tomorrow, 94 and sunny on Thursday. Thunderstorms uh, maybe the afternoon, evening on Friday. Not as warm, a high of 86, 82 with some morning rain on Saturday. Partly cloudy and 75 on Sunday. So there you go. Heat index playing a role in some of this as well. Uh, the two days still to come, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, you see the post high of 94. The heat index is going to make it feel a little closer to 100 degrees both days. If you uh, buy into that sort of thing, some people say heat index. How do you know when it feels like 100 degrees? Oh, you know. You definitely know. Right now in Osage Beach, we are at 78 degrees, broadcasting live from the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors. Star has just uh, come in to join me here this morning. Star is uh, the LaCasse's Labradoodle, and uh, we're glad to see Star this morning. Let's uh, pick up our conversation, continue on with our conversation with uh, Dan Wass this morning and uh, find out what is on Dan's mind as uh, we uh, talk a little bit about the Second Amendment. And it is always uh, always great to have the, uh, the, the, the studio dog who right now, Dan, is under my legs getting entangled in the wires. <laughs> All right, there you go. There, okay, oh, one more time. All right, got her all untangled there. So we're talking, <laughs> we're talking Second Amendment here, as uh, we so often do with Dan Wass. And I, you know, I know that you had recently addressed this uh, this group over the weekend in South Carolina. What are some of the things, Dan, that you feel like we need to really be focusing on? What we need to really be watching. Uh, as far as the Second Amendment is concerned, because now I, 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 I think it's glaringly obvious what the Democrats, what the left would like to do. And they're not pulling any punches. You know, now you've got this disinformation board. Uh, you, you've got all kinds of other things that they are, are basically just opening up. And uh, hey, we're not going to hide it. We're not going to camouflage it. We're not going to do anything to it. We're just going to put it right out there for uh, everybody to see and to understand. And, you know, you mentioned some of the things that uh, they do over in China that uh, automatically get picked up here or uh, a version of it uh, is is sprung on us here in the United States. You know, the social scores that they were talking about with Chinese citizens as far as what you do and how you do it, you know, do you play by the government's rules? Do you try and do your own thing? And how the social score allows uh, people to, uh, I guess, have certain things that other people don't, depending on how well they get along with the government. But that is something that has been talked about. That is something that uh, could possibly be implemented. You know, you go to the bank to take out money. Well, you you don't play uh, the the game the government uh, wants you to play. And, uh, you know, let's say instead of 100 bucks, you can only get 50 uh, and then as far as the Second Amendment is concerned, or owning firearms, if the government doesn't really want you to 
own firearms, uh, they they make a little dent in your in your social score. So, you know, maybe you wanted to uh, go on vacation or, or 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 something along these lines. And and you think I'm making this stuff up, but it's 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 the truth. I mean, it's being done over in China as we speak, where you know people are allowed to do certain things based on how they work with the government. And uh, when the government tells them to do something, do they oblige the government or do they ignore uh, the government for one reason or another? Uh, and, and again, you know, you said it. Uh, certain things that are happening in China are starting to uh, happen here in the United States. Maybe not on the same level, but certainly a version of it that could eventually make it to that level. And so we talk about things like the Second Amendment. We talk about people owning firearms. Um, you know, does the government get more involved in this process and say, well, you know, it's okay if you own a firearm. We really don't want you to because we don't think that you need to have a firearm at this point because, you know, uh, one day we'll throw the switch and, and, and we'll take over. And, you know, if you're unarmed, it's going to be much easier to, to take over than if we have a, a citizenry of, of armed people uh, similar to like a militia or something that may want to, uh, you know, give the government uh, something to think about before they jump in. But where are we headed? I mean, and again, what are the things that we really need to be paying attention to at this point when it comes to owning firearms, when it comes to the Second Amendment? Well, there's a lot there, KB. You brought up so many great points and so many great things that we could go on. I guess the first thing I want to say is when you declaw the cat, the cat becomes very passive. <clears throat> and that doesn't mean just physically. It means psychologically. So the idea here first is to try to declaw the cat by, by re removing uh, the availability of guns, removing um, you know the, the, the you know the ability for people to be able to protect themselves and, and the ability of people to be able to stand up to their government so not only is it a physical issue you know because no guns means means defenseless people um, but no guns also means um, very uh, I guess I'm searching for the word but I guess very passive and very meek and very um, you know emotionally, defenseless people as well because with that power and that leverage that we have with that second amendment we're bold americans are bold and we will stand up to the evil that the political left brings to us um, and it's partly because we're it, we are emboldened because we have that leverage and that power and that second amendment um, you can see what happens to other countries like china when they don't have that, like I said, it's not only a physical issue where we can, you know, we can use the gun to defend ourselves. It's a, it's an emotional, psychological piece, um, and they are very passive. I mean, they're wearing masks everywhere. They, they are careful what they say. They have the social credit scores. They are in a controlled society, controlled by a few. And we won't have that here in America. And that's where our founding fathers, when they wrote that Second Amendment, they knew that. They knew it wasn't just going to be physically be able to defend yourself against a tyrannical government. It was going to be an emotional strength as well. Um, and, and I think that's the most important thing. So um, and right now, the good news is um, 
real Americans are standing up for their gun rights because they understand all this. And that's why we have now 25 states that are constitutional carry. So that means no government-issued permission slip to carry a gun. 25 states have said, no, it's your right. It's not a privilege. It's it's not a government-issued privilege. It's your right. 25 states. And now hopefully Florida gets on track, which they should have been a long time ago, and hopefully they will they will create that tipping point and they will make us 26 uh, states in the United States with constitutional carry. Um, but there's a power and, and a leverage that we have as Americans, and, and people can't forget that. And a lot of that power and leverage comes from the ability to stand up to our government. Hmm. Well, you know, uh, you mentioned uh, all the things that the Chinese are going through. Uh, you know, these people are literally being fenced in their homes as well, not 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 yeah. not allowed to come out of their home, and and not like uh, you, you or I would typically have a fence around our yard. But um, I guess what we're looking at doing here is uh, talking about talking about. Um, these folks having the fence like right in front of their door, like like you or I would normally have a fence around our yard. Uh, th- these people have a fence <laughs> like right up against their house. They can't they can't walk out of their house. So that absolutely uh, horrifying, isn't it? Yeah, God. It, it is. It certainly is. And uh, who knows how much longer it'll be before? Because there is be there's talk, and I have heard it from people here locally, uh, as far as things go, um, of, of, of martial law, you know, it, it, it's not as far off as, as people would like to think it is, or, uh, the little things that they're doing now, uh, you know, setting up these disinformation boards and, and various other things along these lines and coming right out and being so open and so blatant about it that, you uh, you know you could almost see it coming, and and for people who don't think it's going to happen, I would say, folks, uh, you know, it's probably a good idea to wake up, and uh, as they say, smell the coffee, Dan. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and if for nothing else, if you if you enjoy freedom, and you don't want to be like China, you don't want to live like that, then and you may not even be a gun owner, but support the Second Amendment. You know, you know you know, donate to these, become a member of, of Gun Owners of America, Second Amendment Foundation, NRA, whichever you like, because by supporting the Second Amendment, you're protecting your own freedom. You, you don't have to own a gun to be part of it, uh, Gun Owners of America. You don't, you don't, you know, but support these organizations who are going to court and fighting back these unconstitutional laws. And that's, that's really what you can do. All you, hey, if you want to throw in 25 bucks and donate, yeah. You're helping. You're helping defend your freedom. Uh, like I said, you don't need to have a gun. You need to own a gun if you don't like them or whatever your, your story is. I don't know. But um, but that's the one thing that I think is keeping us free. And our founding fathers knew it. Man, they, they, they knew it. And that's why they wrote that in there as, as specifically and, and articulately as they did. Yes. And um, what forethought that these people had? What... what uh right it's just the ability to to look so far ahead uh in in the future and and try to establish some firm foundation that will always always hopefully always be uh 
be around. And, you know, the Constitution constantly comes under fire as far as, uh, you know, a lot of the things that these people were talking about uh, 200 plus years ago have absolutely no basis in our society today and everything else that's said about the founding fathers to try and discredit them and, you know, just to try to change things up any way you possibly can. And I think really when you think about this, when you think about it closely, uh, to have the opportunity to just get a foot in the door, that's all they're looking for. If we can get a foot in the door and then eventually we can kick that door in and, uh, and, do whatever it is that we we need to do and in this instance try to find more and creative ways to disarm the citizenry so that when the day comes that the citizenry is uh, much like we saw in uh, venezuela not too long ago throwing rocks and bottles and whatever they can get their hands on because they don't have the firearms necessary to protect themselves so that's that's kind of the way i look at this yeah, and, and you made you made a good point. I mean, the foresight of our founding fathers, and and yeah, I believe it is a foresight. But I I always think about you know what were they thinking when they wrote the Bill of Rights, and I think what what was happening is they really understood humanity, and and they understood that because they had lived how many years, how many generations before them, they they saw the way uh, humanity evolved, and, and they recognized that humanity really didn't evolve as far as morally, ethically. We don't, we didn't, we don't really um, evolve in that aspect. Our technology is a completely different story. Our technology grows at a, at a huge rate. I mean, I've seen everything from, you know, rotary phones all the way up to, you know, um, well, you name it. You, I mean, you know the technology today. So, <laughs> you know, you know holograms and, and stuff. So, so our technology moves at a va- at a very fast speed, but our our morals don't. And I think our founding fathers knew that, and they knew that we'd be in trouble if we weren't able to protect ourselves from the evil element of humanity unfortunately and and it seems that that evil element gravitates toward the political left in our country mm-hmm. um and it gravitates toward communism it gravitates toward the socialist view the marxist view and those are the the, the evil element uh if, if you're religious I, I guess it's evil if you're not i guess it's just bad it's just a destructive mindset it's a destructive um way to look at the world but we need to protect ourselves from that. And our founding fathers knew that that wouldn't change. That would always be the same, uh, regardless of, of technology. So that's why they wrote that Bill of Rights, to just remind everybody that, hey, you know, as immoral as we, we may become, um, these are the rules, and you can't violate these, these rules. These are the rights of the people, and, and that stands above all. Well, you know, the... Um the Bill of Rights, kind of like a boundary. It's It was established to be a boundary, not for the people, but for the government, that the government only right. is, is only allowed to go so far. And once you cross that line, then we have these things in place that we, the citizens, uh, are, are, are in a position to utilize if necessary. And the Second Amendment is, is one of those things. And I'll tell you, as we stated earlier in the conversation 
they're not hiding it anymore. They're coming right out and telling us exactly yeah. what it is that they want to do. And and I go back to the big discussion that uh, uh, took place over education when uh, Merrick Garland put out the memo saying that, you know, school board meetings are not a place for parents to go and uh, and, and get upset or, or be disruptive. You, you, you go, if you have an issue or a problem, it can be discussed. Well, certainly it can be discussed. But if we have people that are going to these meetings and doing things like, you know, upsetting the apple cart, starting uh, trouble, they, you know, they won't sit down, they want to talk, they want to talk over other people, and you could consider these people to be domestic terrorists. Really? Going to a school board meeting, going to a meeting with people who were elected to represent uh, the best interest of uh uh, the school, as well as the parents and the children, and, and and you call these people domestic terrorists if they go to the meeting and they're uh, a little upset about something, and they express their concern by uh, letting people who are elected know that they're not happy with something, and you're going to refer to them as domestic terrorists. And then you have the secretary of the Department of Education coming right out and saying, guess what? Guess what? Parents don't need to be as involved in their child's education as they think they do. You know, we're here to educate the children. We're here to teach the children what they know. Parents need to just relax and let us do our jobs. Well, <clears throat> to me, that's that's the, the possibly the biggest. I, I don't think there's enough fabric to make a red flag as big as the one that that we're talking about here when, when when someone in that position comes right out and says it and it's it's being more it's being made more evident each and every time by people who are like you know what we're not hiding this stuff anymore we're just going to come right out we're going to tell them how we feel we're going to tell them what we're going to do and if they don't like it too bad absolutely completely utterly too bad for you so there you go yep and, and you know what and you know what? You're right. It's a great point that they are coming right out and saying it because they're they're so bold at this point. But you know what's happening now is that although they're coming out with their true intentions, real Americans are also coming out and they're stuffing that Bill of Rights right up their nose and they're smacking <laughs> them across the face with it because we've had enough. Yeah. Just like talk about the, the parents at the school meeting, at right. the school board meetings. People have literally had enough. This is really a, um, and and maybe I maybe I'm still on my high from from Rock the Red, where I was surrounded <laughs> by patriots, you know, <laughs> all weekend. But it was it was an awakening for me that, you know, I mean, I go to because I do these events all the time. But this one was a little different. It was right. there was really a, a a sense that people from around the country are are coming together and have had enough and. Um, and that's that's the great part of all this. It's that inspiring piece that I see and I recognize that there's a certain number of us who are, will not have it at any cost, and we will stand up uh, for our rights, and we are pushing back on this evil element or this destructive element, however you want to look at it. Um, and, and and that's a great thing. It's just uh, it's there's a bit of inspiration there. 
Dan Wass, as always, sir, great uh, opportunity to speak with you and to continue the great work that you do and make sure that uh, we get you on uh, the daily show here on Key Radio from time to time so that you can keep us updated with what it is that you are doing. And, again, we encourage everyone to check out uh, the series that Dan has penned. It is the Good Gun, Bad Guys series, and it's available all over the place. It's uh, a great read, uh, actually three great reads, and you can uh, check it all out uh, online, I'm sure. Where else can we find you, Dan? Well, I do have a web show called The Loaded Mic, and people can find me at loadedmic.com. That's M-I-C, like microphone, loadedmic.com. And uh, everything is posted at goodgunbadguy.com. So, as always, you know, thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. Always great talking with you. Always great talking with you as well, my friend. Thank you for the time, and we'll talk to you again soon. Dan Wass, of course, uh, we enjoy our conversation with Dan. He uh, he tries to get in here about uh, at least once a month or so, and maybe a little bit more if necessary when we uh, have some issues of importance that uh, people who are very passionate about the uh, Second Amendment need to know more about. It is just about time for us to take our top-of-the-hour break, and we will do that. Come on back with uh, an opportunity for you to hear from Lydia Porter. Lydia is a candidate who is running for the presiding commissioner of Camden County, and we will talk with her in studio here at the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors right after we take care of some business. Stacey Johnson with LakeExpo.com, Chris Schneider with Lake TV, and more of The Daily Show coming up on Key Radio. Business, government, religion, family issues, and more. Find it all right here on 89.3 KEYK, Osage Beach, Missouri. I'm Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, May 10th. Seven people were left stranded Friday on a dock after the ramp collapsed. The dock ramp collapsed on the 13-and-a-half-mile marker of the Niagara Arm, and the group on the dock were stranded. Mid-County Fire Protection District arrived on the scene, disconnected the electricity on the dock, and brought the group to safety on a fire district boat. There were no injuries reported. More information at lakeexpo.com. A major rock collapse closed two lanes of traffic on Highway 242 yesterday. The rock collapse was triggered by demolition taking place on a property alongside the highway. Lake Ozark Police partially closed traffic as machinery from the demolition site cleared the rocks. Cleanup is expected to be completed by today. More information at lakeexpo.com. And it was a close call for multiple boaters who found themselves in big trouble on the Osage River Saturday night. The Lake Ozark Fire Protection District was called to respond to a sinking boat and a rescue boat was dispatched. Authorities found the sinking boat by using the boater's GPS on their cell phone. The occupants were found downstream where they had managed to climb onto some rocks. They were rescued by a Lake Ozark fire boat and were evaluated by paramedics. More information at lakeexpo.com. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Portions of the programming on Key Radio are made possible through a generous donation from lakeexpo.com. LakeExpo.com is a locally owned daily news website connecting residents, second homeowners, 
visitors, and the boating community to the Lake of the Ozarks. Lake Expo features real estate and boats for sale, upcoming events at the lake, and their exclusive boating club, X-Toe. Download the free Lake Expo app on the App Store and Google Play. LakeExpo.com, the lake's trusted news source. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. The sports world still buzzing over the Kentucky Derby last weekend. It was uh, the Derby on Saturday, the first leg of the Triple Crown, and what a shocker. The longest shot horse going into the race comes out the winner. Rich Strike had 80-1 to 1 odds to win, charged up the rail down the stretch, and wins the Derby uh, over the two favorites. It was the second highest payoff upset in the Derby's 148-year history. So next up, the second leg of the Triple Crown, the Preakness. That'll be May 21st. We'll see if Rich Strike can keep that up. Huge game tonight for the Blues. Game five of their first-round series against Minnesota. Series all tied up at two wins apiece. The Blues won the first game 4-0 in Minnesota, then lost the next two, 6-2 and 5-1. They won game four on Sunday, 5-2 at home. So now they're in Minnesota game five tonight. It's a pivotal game. Winner will have a uh, much better chance to go on and win the series if they can get the win tonight. As for college baseball, the uh, season continues for the Mizzou Tigers and MSU Bears, but they're getting close to their postseason tournaments. So Mizzou is 25-20 and 20 on this season. They've got a three-game series this weekend against Florida. That will be at home. The MSU Bears, 22-22 and 22 on this season. They're busy tonight at Southeast Missouri State. Then they've got a three-game series at home against Illinois State this weekend. As for softball, the ladies are into their conference tournaments now. The Mizzou ladies head into the SEC tournament with a 33-19 and 19 record. Pretty good season for the uh, the Mizzou ladies. The MSU ladies are 25-18 and 18 as they head into the Valley Tournament. They will be hosting that in Springfield this weekend. As for the big boys, the Cardinals 16-12. and 12. They were off yesterday. They will be at home to Baltimore today. As for Kansas City, they come up short losing in Baltimore yesterday. That was a makeup game for a rainout last week. So the Royals struggling a little bit on the season. They're 9-17. and 17. They are still on the road at the Rangers today. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7, 5, and 11 every single day. Be sure to check that out. Lake TV bringing you five local lake area shows. Lake TV can be seen on Como Channel 90, absolutely free. Also absolutely free on Roku. Just do a search for Lake TV. On Facebook, Lake TV with 40,000 Facebook followers. Be sure you're one of them. And streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. Portions of our programming on Key Radio made possible thanks to Lake TV. Lake TV is your hometown local TV station. Featuring Cup of Coffee with Will and Chris, What's Burning with KB, Live High School Sports, Real Estate, dining, boating, and, of course, the annual Lake of the Ozarks shootout. 
Late TV, on Como Connect, Channel 90, Roku, YouTube, Facebook and Instagram, and of course online at MyLakeTV.com. If it's happening at the lake, it's happening on Lake TV. The Serving Table provides free meals at Key Gathering Place, Wednesdays 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. and Thursdays 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. It's the continuing mission of Jacob and Carly Lamb to serve people in need. But this is not just about free food. Jesus said, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Spiritual food is as great a need as the meals Jacob prepares, and we need volunteers to join in so the Serving Table can open every day. Learn more at KeyGatheringPlace.com or search Facebook before the serving table. This is your chance to get involved in Community Radio Lake of the Ozarks with 89.3, The Key. We're right back here at 908. Thank you so much for joining us on this uh, beautiful start to your Tuesday. It is going to pick up temperature-wise. 91, the expected high will drop back down to 72 tonight for the overnight low. 78 is where we are as of right now in Osage Beach. It is... uh, Oh, a beautiful day to be alive. I, I'll tell you what, I, I had a chance to drive over the uh, Hurricane Deck and Niagara Bridges yesterday, and uh, there were some folks out on the water. But the one thing I noticed more than anything else was the haze. I mean, it was already hanging hanging up there. And uh, I guess, you know, yesterday folks were kind of like, oh, this is what summer feels like. Yeah, it sure does, and it's going to feel like that. And even... Uh, a couple of days where we'll see some warmer temperatures, 94 tomorrow, 94 Thursday. Uh, looks like Friday we'll get some rain in the afternoon, evening, uh, and only a high of 86 on Friday the 13th. Morning showers and thunderstorms possible on Saturday, otherwise a high of 82, 75 on Sunday with a partly cloudy sky, so it'll all work out. Yes, it will. Lots going on again. Uh, as a matter of fact, we're going to kick off um, the first hot summer nights this Friday evening on the Bagnell Dam Strip, 5 until 10. The entire family is welcome to come down and, uh, you know, just kind of do what a lot of folks used to do, and that's uh, have a good time with the family on the Bagnell Dam Strip. A lot of businesses uh, have specials and great deals, and, of course, you get yourselves the car show all over again. We had that uh, great turnout for the Magic Dragon Car Show, 825 vehicles, which is uh, where they cap it off at 825 vehicles. So uh, they had all of the slots filled, 
And then, of course, you had Harbor Hop last weekend. You had the big Breaking Benjamin Seether show over at the Ozarks Amphitheater. Don't forget, speaking of Ozarks Amphitheater, tomorrow night, George Thorogood, Sticks, and Ario Speedwagon coming to the amphitheater, and that's always a great show. We had a chance to see REO last year, and, man, I tell you what, they put on a heck of a show. Kevin Cronin and those guys have not missed a step. They do not miss a beat. And so um, you can get over there. I think there are probably tickets still available. You can check out uh, tickets online through the amphitheater, or you can pick up your tickets right there at Bridal Cave. They are the official ticket outlet for Ozarks Amphitheater, and I know they have uh, tickets available for tomorrow night's show. 9.10 is our time. Let's uh, let's talk a little presiding commissioner of Camden County with uh, one of the candidates that is running for that office. Her name is Lydia Porter, and she is joining us in studio here this morning at SRG Financial Advisors. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you for taking the time to uh, come in and talk with us here this morning. I know that, uh, again, this is... This is um, Big doings at the Lake of the Ozarks. I know that uh, uh, a lot of folks are are, are running for the office, and uh, you are among those uh, candidates that are running. But I asked you earlier, and and I have to ask you now, where's your dump truck at? I've seen you in two parades, and both times you've been in a dump truck. And and I thought thought that was really cool. I mean, that's certainly a way to get people's attention. Well... Thank you, KB. I am. Uh, I love dump trucks. I've loved dump trucks my entire life. I grew up in a construction company right. in St. Louis County, Missouri, and uh, very very familiar with heavy equipment. But my favorite thing uh, to watch and to learn about was dump trucks. <laughs> and going uh, forward in my um, my career, actually, mm-hmm. I started thinking about what goes on when dump trucks are moving. Well. I would sit and talk with my dad. I remember uh, specifically 1981, and I said, "Daddy, <clears throat> I'm thinking that when the dump start, when the dump trucks start running again, the economy will uh, will look better." And we chatted about that for a while. And to this day, I uh, take dump trucks as my personal indicator of how the local economy is going. Mm-hmm. And here at the lake, the dump trucks are rolling. And when you see a dump truck, they're either going to a demolition site, picking up scrap, or they're hauling gravel, they're hauling sand. Uh, someone's either tearing something down, building something up, expanding, renovating. But when the dump trucks are moving, I always smile. And it only seemed appropriate for me to uh, talk with my dear friend, uh, Tony Graham. Tony, as many of you know, is Graham Excavating. But Tony He's in uh, Miller County, and he said, Lyd, I do a lot of work in Camden County. And I said, well, that's just great because we have some parades to get involved in. And he's been very gracious uh, loaning one of his drivers and himself with the dump trucks. So I really uh, take that a step further, KB, with dump trucks. Not only are things moving locally as far as construction goes, uh, but that also means jobs, it means progress, and it means hard work. And uh, kind of a segue into our discussion today, I'm not afraid of hard work. So thank you for asking about the big red dump truck. I just thought it was very unique seeing, uh, you know, uh, you know that somebody <clears throat> somebody needs something, you know, and L- Lydia wants to deliver it to him, so she brings it over <laughs> in the dump truck, and the whole neighborhood knows uh, that she's she's coming through. Well, let's talk a little bit about your background, um, some of the things that you have done in your life, as far as maybe uh, uh, various jobs that uh, you've had, and and some of the uh, uh, things that you've done to. Uh, 
to pass the time. Now you said you you uh, enjoyed or your you know your uh, family was involved in construction growing up there uh, in and around the North County area of St. Louis. Um, but is that something that you uh, kind of stuck with the the construction, or did you get into other areas? No, I'll tell you, um, our daddy and his construction work uh, started after World War II, and then he had his own firm uh, later. But what I want to tell you why that's significantly important to me is my dad built uh, tennis courts and running tracks all around the Midwest. You mentioned Coke Park in Mm -hmm. North St. Louis County. Uh, I have a legal pad uh, full of all the jobs in daddy's handwriting that that he did uh, across Missouri, Iowa, Kansas, Arkansas, did a lot of work in Illinois. And um, the the work ethic stuck with me, and being a small business person stuck with me, and working uh, with uh, clients and customers and tennis pros. Uh, uh, spent, and I spent a lot of time on tennis courts as a kid, so I I pulled that forward as a as a hobby of mine. I, I still love uh, a good tennis court, but I think that the biggest uh, teaching uh, that I have from the years growing up in the construction industry is how the economy does um, impact uh, what uh, the budgets of, of county government and, and on their local parks and their, and their recreation. It also, though, influenced me that a good county government also appreciates how important family activities are and to have good playgrounds and good equipment for the, ch- the kids. So all those many years of hanging out with my dad and, and uh, looking at RFPs and those kinds of things definitely uh, impacted my life so much so that um, I went on to get a degree uh, in business from Mid-American Nazarene University in Olathe, Kansas. And then several years later, I pursued and finished my executive fellows MBA from Rockhurst University and uh, spent my entire career. Well, actually, from the time I was tw- in my um, mid-20s, I worked for the Kansas City Star for a while, right out of college. But I uh, focused on health care and I uh, have served as um, an operations and finance uh, person. I, I don't like the word executive, but I guess that's what some people would call me. Uh, and um, retired from Truman Medical Center in Kansas City, Missouri, several years ago. And I've done healthcare consulting, uh, reengineering front end and back end finance processes. So I'm very familiar with uh, big budgets. I manage $500 million of accounts receivable at Truman and um, had hundreds of uh, full-time employees that reported up to me. So bringing all that forward, my experience in business as a kid, my professional experience, my education, that really I feel uh, um, grounded me and as part of my professional toolkit and skill that I know I bring to uh, the position as presiding commissioner. What uh, what was it that uh, initially kind of piqued your curiosity about the job and then uh, eventually got you to uh, file uh, for that uh, position as a candidate? Well, I think you picked the operative word, curiosity. I believe that uh, being curious is, is, a, is a good character trait because I like to know how everything works. My husband always teases me when I pull out my Swiss Army knife he gave me as a present that uh, I'm a MacGyver. I like to know how things work and I like to fix things. And in my conversations with people socially, just talking about uh, the county of, of Camden and how it operates, how it works, some of the challenges, I felt compelled to do my own research on, well, what is this job? I knew what a presiding commissioner was. I know we have 114 uh, counties in the state of Missouri. I've always been, my parents were very involved in uh, politics as a kid and county government. So I thought, I'm going to do my own research. And I started asking around and finding out some of the um 
the challenges that were being faced uh, in our county and some of the dissatisfaction uh, on issues that were presented to me by our taxpayers. And I thought to myself, well, taxpayers, that's to whom the county commissioners report. They are the boss. The taxpayers are, not the commissioners. And I thought, well, let me check into this uh uh, this election that's coming up and so quickly started talking to people that knew much more about um the polit- the political side knowing that um of course we register I registered as uh, I filed as a republican so last october I started just just really getting involved and asking more questions and talking to more people and by november which um was the um patriots dinner of course uh, that the republican party had uh, here in the Camden area in the Camden area that's when i announced i would be filing in in uh, february so you decided to get involved and um what are some of the things as far as uh, maybe your platform that you are are looking at uh, that uh, you feel things that need to be addressed if you uh, are uh, elected to that office in uh, in August. Okay, well, thank thank you for that question because as I shared with you earlier, uh, I take copious notes when I attend meetings, and uh, I just believe um, that that uh, is an important thing to do so that you can kind of get the flavor uh, of the conversation and discussion. So I brought some of those notes with me today. I actually typed them so I could actually read them. But um, what I wanted to share with you and and our listeners today is um, the reason why I'm running for commissioner is I see an opportunity to take my servant leadership style, uh, which I think I have honed uh, over the past number of years, to focus on connection, transparency, and honesty in leadership as the presiding commissioner. As I mentioned a few seconds ago, I believe that the taxpayers are the boss, and I will work for the taxpayers. And one of the things that um, KB has come up in these conversations with taxpayers is uh, the communication style, and I, I really believe that I bring to the will bring to the office a style of um, open communication and building relationships. I do want to hear from the taxpayers. I want to hear what they're satisfied with, what they're dissatisfied with. Um, I don't, I won't have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers, but I can assure people that I will get answers for them in a timely fashion. Whether they email me or they call me or they run into me in the grocery store. And um, I do want to share that I will not overpromise and underdeliver. I feel one of the characteristics of a of a true leader is responsiveness and respect for the people that they serve. And I know there's a, a number of issues floating around in the county um, that are beyond the boiling point of dissatisfaction. And I feel going for and I'll address that in just a second, but I really feel that going forward, if we improve our communication style, we improve our responsiveness to taxpayers, we can avoid things getting to the boiling point and oftentimes, unfortunately, resolving in litigation. And those are a couple of things I I do want to talk about. Um, If I may continue, the issues um, 
that I that have been brought to my attention that I that I've researched uh, ongoing in Camden County. Um, and of course, there's always questions about infrastructure, uh, and I'm really concerned right now about one area in particular, which is the underfunded road repair work. I've been talking to, to citizens, and as you know, there's um, 655 square miles of land in Camden County, and uh, I'm really serious about traveling all those miles, uh, which I've begun to do, and take a look at our road condition problem. So my question is, well, what are we doing about it? I know that the county retained a consulting firm uh, to discuss uh, the situation, and um, I know that um, there's a final report that's that's uh, been presented to the commissioners on the necessary actions that need to be taken to improve our road conditions. So with that in mind, those kinds of reports that come out, they need to be shared, and they need to be put out into segments that the, the general population can fully understand and uh, attempt to digest. So I propose to get to these road repair issues that we start having local um, meetings with our taxpayers with regards to that report. Take a look at it uh, and, and ask this, the big question as, okay, county commissioners, you've received the final report. What's your action plan? How are you going to execute the? Uh, how are you going to execute on this plan? Um, I want to bring up that we have a terrific team of ladies and gentlemen who work for the road and bridge department. I've met a lot of those people. I think they're great. They're very very knowledgeable. They mm-hmm. they they have a compa- They're passionate about the work that they do. So this is not in any way any type of a blemish on their their sterling record of service. I am saying, though, the commissioners need to come forward and say, hey, we've got this final report. We want to share it with you all, and we've got an action plan in mind, and we want to see what you think about it, and then we're going to execute on the action plan. But action plans are really important, KB, in business. However, you have to make sure that you have the monitors in place mm-hmm. to guide, to um, monitor your success. This can't just be a bunch of just uh, – puff and blow about things. We need to really be able to measure our accomplishments and measure the satisfaction then of the of the taxpayer. So that's one um, that's one big issue f- for me. And I know this won't w- win me a lot of friends, but you know I'm not that kind of gal. Uh, this isn't about friendship. This is about good, solid business relationships. Instead of calling road and bridge with your complaints about your potholes and the fact that um, your uh, area hasn't been hasn't seen any new asphalt or any sealer in a number of years, it's crumbling, it's falling apart, it may be dangerous. Call the commissioners. If I'm in that seat, I want to hear from you. Don't be complaining to road and bridge. Give me a call. So that's that's one of my big issues, um, and I have a few others too, KB. I was going to ask you, <clears throat> you. You mentioned an action plan. And action plans are a good thing as long as they're carried out and followed through on. Um, I know a lot of times action plans probably require uh, a certain uh, time. Uh, time is a huge element when it comes to this, being able to uh, put the wheels in motion to get all of these things taken care of. But more importantly, uh, the cost is something that I think is probably um, <laughs> it, it's the big one because you know, you need to have the dedicated funds, and, and there are a lot. And I've seen, I mean, I've lived here for a long time, so I've seen a lot of the roads and and the uh, the issues that road and bridge are faced with, the, the folks that uh, take care of the roads and bridges and, and various uh, infrastructure around the area, what they're faced with. And so, um, again, when you sit down and you uh, work on a budget, 
Uh, obviously, maybe a little bit more money needs to be put to, toward roads and roads and bridges. And I don't know uh, exactly how you've uh, been able to come up with uh, something that might reflect a little bit of what you're talking about in regard to your action plan. Well, I sure appreciate that question too, KB, because uh, time and money are two very scarce uh, resources that everyone struggles with at some point in their life, and businesses are no exception. I have been personally uh, combing through and studying the 268 uh, pages of the 2022 uh, Camden County budget that has uh, been recently released. And um, as you can see, I, I carry around with me that um, earmark a lot of these topics and I would certainly encourage everyone who hears my voice today to go out on the Camden County uh, government site and take a look at this very document uh, it's under the financial summaries and um, we under the 2022 um, budget we talk about revenue and then when of course we always talk about expenditures and um, you will see on this budget that uh, road and bridge of course is a major piece of of the budget with um, out of the nearly 70 million dollars of appropriations um, the road and bridge is budgeted on this document and and KB sees it here with me, $8.6 million. And um, when we start talking about maintenance and improvements, only 25% of the budget is uh, for maintenance and improvements. And from what I understand, this um, report that has now been released from the consultant will give uh, advice on uh, how the money should be spent on whether it's repairs mm -hmm. or whether it's uh, some new construction but based on what i have gleaned and in conversations with subject matter experts around road and bridge in camden county uh it's extremely in inadequate so i think we need to go back to to baseline kb we need to take a look in fact i've been studying the financials for the past five years you know if I can add this kind of a, an analogy or a metaphor, if you're going to go buy a business, you want to take, that's why we have accounting principles. You go back and you look at the financials. Now that, that you might know just going in that this business um, has fallen into hard times and maybe on the brink of bankruptcy, or maybe you're going to buy it out of bankruptcy. No matter what the current state situation is, you want to know for yourself what the history is of the business. You want to know what its revenue streams are. You want to know what its expenses, uh, expenditures look like. But remember, um, I, I do want to add this caveat. A budget is merely a best guess forecast because all kinds of things can happen to sure. blow up your budgets, Absolutely. right? So I just want to mention that I've, I'm going back to the using the historical historical perspective of analysis to see what the budgets have looked like over the past five years to get a, get a good baseline as to where we've been and where we're going and I've really been focusing on this road and bridge issue because it and the sheriff's department from what I glean are the two biggest um, uh, exp expenditures on the county government and I, I feel like as the presiding commissioner I need to know more about this so I can answer the questions because I expect to get the phone calls and um so back on your the action plan, I think that what we do is we take a look at what the the consultants have said mm -hmm. are the is the burning platform here and what they have recommended. Then we sit down, we roll up our shirt sleeves, we get out our pencils, and we say, okay, this is what maybe we need to make some 
it's probably going to be a little late, 22. It's already filed. It's public. Mm -hmm. But let's take a look going forward. And, you know, we're already into May. So what are we going to do for next year? How can we make a difference for next year so that we can ease some of this burden off of our taxpayers that are experiencing these deplorable road conditions because, A, they're not safe. And also, how can we take some uh, stress off the road and bridge department because they know that right now things are looking pretty bad and they're not going to be able to uh, meet the goals that they themselves have set. So what I'm saying is, please understand, we have to execute when we decide on things and we got to make it happen. But we can't just say we're going to do we need to monitor it. That's why I like to say we have our thumb on the pulse of activity and we know um, what's going on um, on a regular basis. We're going to step in and uh, take a quick information break, our final break of the uh, program at the bottom of the hour. And we'll come back and talk some more with Lydia Porter. She is running for the Office of Presiding Commissioner here in Camden County. Stacey Johnson with LakeExpo.com providing us some great information this morning. Chris Schneider with Lake TV covering sports. And more coming your way here on The Daily Show on Key Radio. Stacy Johnson, and this is your Lake Expo News Cut for Tuesday, May 10th. Seven people were left stranded Friday on a dock after the ramp collapsed. The dock ramp collapsed on the 13.5 mile marker of the Niagara Arm, and the group on the dock were stranded. Mid-County Fire Protection District arrived on the scene, disconnected the electricity on the dock, and brought the group to safety on a fire district boat. There were no injuries reported. More information at lakeexpo.com. A major rock collapse closed two lanes of traffic on Highway 242 yesterday. The rock collapse was triggered by demolition taking place on a property alongside the highway. Lake Ozark Police partially closed traffic as machinery from the demolition site cleared the rocks. Cleanup is expected to be completed by today. More information at lakeexpo.com. And it was a close call for multiple boaters who found themselves in big trouble on the Osage River Saturday night. The Lake Ozark Fire Protection District was called to respond to a sinking boat and a rescue boat was dispatched. Authorities found the sinking boat by using the boaters' GPS on their cell phone. The occupants were found downstream where they had managed to climb onto some rocks. They were rescued by a Lake Ozark fireboat and were evaluated by paramedics. More information at lakeexpo.com. This has been your Lake Expo News Cut. All this news and more at lakeexpo.com. Programming on Key Radio made possible in part by Skelton Key and Lock. When you're locked out of your home, car, or business, every second counts. You need to be sure that the company you choose will answer the call and get to you as quickly as possible. Skelton Key and Lock offers reliable service, reasonable rates, and they're recommended by everyone. They can cut and program new keys and bobs. They can install new locks on your home, business, or rental property. If you can stick a key in it, chances are it can be serviced by Skelton Key and Lock, serving the entire lake area. Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. The sports world still buzzing over the Kentucky Derby last weekend. It was uh, the Derby on Saturday, the first leg of the Triple Crown, and what a shocker, the longest shot horse 
going into the race comes out the winner. Rich Strike had 80 to 1 odds to win, charged up the rail down the stretch and wins the Derby uh, over the two favorites. It was the second highest payoff upset in the Derby's 148-year history. So next up, the second leg of the Triple Crown, the Preakness. That'll be May 21st. We'll see if Rich Strike can keep that up. Huge game tonight for the Blues. Game five of their first-round series against Minnesota. Series all tied up at two wins apiece. The Blues won the first game 4-0 in Minnesota, then lost the next two, 6-2 and 5-1. They won game four on Sunday, 5-2 at home. So now they're in Minnesota game five tonight. It's a pivotal game. Winner will have a uh, much better chance to go on and win the series if they can get the win tonight. As for college baseball, the uh, season continues for the Mizzou Tigers and MSU Bears, but they're getting close to their postseason tournaments. So Mizzou is 25-20 and 20 on this season. They've got a three-game series this weekend against Florida. That will be at home. The MSU Bears, 22-22 and 22 on this season. They're busy tonight at Southeast Missouri State. Then they've got a three-game series at home against Illinois State this weekend. As for softball, the ladies are into their conference tournaments now. The Mizzou ladies head into the SEC tournament with a 33-19 and 19 record. Pretty good season for the uh, the Mizzou ladies. The MSU ladies are 25-18 and 18 as they head into the Valley Tournament. They will be hosting that in Springfield this weekend. As for the big boys, the Cardinals 16-12. and 12. They were off yesterday. They will be at home to Baltimore today. As for Kansas City, they come up short losing in Baltimore yesterday. That was a makeup game for a rainout last week. So the Royals struggling a little bit on the season. They're 9-17. and 17. They are still on the road at the Rangers today. Hey, you got to check out KB on TV. It's What's Burning with Kevin KB Burns, 7, 5, and 11 every single day. Be sure to check that out. Lake TV bringing you five local Lake Area shows. Lake TV can be seen on Como Channel 90, absolutely free. Also absolutely free on Roku. Just do a search for Lake TV. On Facebook, Lake TV with 40,000 Facebook followers. Be sure you're one of them. And streaming live 24-7 at MyLakeTV.com. I'm Chris Schneider with your Key Radio Lake TV sports update for this Tuesday. Programming on Key Radio made possible through a generous donation from Victoria Station. Misty Atkinson talks about the very incredible and popular wall art you'll find at Victoria Station. We've always been known for our wall arts. Um, We have a large selection of both metal art and framed art, canvas prints, in traditional and in uh, the nautical themes. And so we're a destination for wall art. We're also known for a large variety of lamps. We like cool, unique lamps that'll give give lighting in your living area, not just a utility lampshade there that's producing light, but to add the decorative features to that. Um, We are going to feature a section in the store of American-made products. Some of those are locally sourced and some of those from the Midwest, and we're we're really excited to be able to do that. We're still located at 5465 Osage Beach Parkway, just off the Case Road exit, and the best way to find us online is on Facebook at Victoria Station. We are open daily 930 to 530. 
Bikers Against Child Abuse, BACA, exists with the intent to create a safer environment for abused children. We exist as a body of bikers to empower children to not feel afraid of the world in which they live. We stand ready to lend support to our wounded friends by involving them with an established, united organization. If you'd like to know more about BACA, please visit our website at bacaworld.org or call one 866 71 Abuse. This is your chance to get involved in Community Radio Lake of the Ozarks with 89.3, The Key. 937, welcome back. Hope you're enjoying the program. Uh, again, our thanks to Dan Wass for being on the program. We'll get back to our conversation here with Lydia Porter uh, shortly. Uh, and uh, let you know tomorrow we've got Ike Skelton on the program. Thursday, Mindy Sales will return. We'll have Danny Ellison on the program, the educated redneck Bev Allen from uh, Concerned Women for America of Missouri on uh, Friday, along with Bob Lynch from MoDOT. And, of course, it's not a Friday without the author of the blog, Among the Dogwoods, Dave Moppin, who is uh, just banging it, knocking it out of the park each and every time that uh, he joins us. And uh, we appreciate all of our guests and the opportunity to uh, talk to these folks about a lot of things that are going on locally right here at the beautiful Lake of the Ozarks. Again, uh, another warm one, 91 the high, 71 the low. High of 94 with some sunshine tomorrow, 94 on Thursday, 86 with some thunderstorms possible on Friday in the afternoon, evening, and then maybe some morning showers and thunderstorms on Saturday, a high of 82. Uh, Rain chances uh, not looking very strong for Friday and or Saturday at this point. Then on Sunday, we'll hit a high of 74 and a partly cloudy sky. So, Things really starting to uh, kind of taper off as we uh, get through the weekend, and then it looks like the following week we'll have highs anywhere from the upper 70s to a low to mid and possibly uh, some upper 80s in there by the middle of next week. But we'll wait for all of that to come around. Kind of hard to uh, predict Missouri weather because, as they say, if you don't like it, just wait a few minutes. 78 degrees again, plenty of sunshine as we're broadcasting live from the world headquarters of SRG Financial Advisors. And again, thanks to Bill and Janice Lacasse for allowing us to utilize this uh, wonderful studio that is coming back. Now, you may have heard me mention this several times that uh, they did get broken into here, but all in all, everything has been uh, secured. We've got locks, we've got cameras, we've got everything we need, and uh, we're building back even bigger and better uh, than uh, what we initially started out with. So that is uh, that is pretty reassuring. 9.40 is our time. Let's continue our conversation with Lydia Porter. She is running for the office of Camden County Presiding Commissioner. Of course, the election on August the 2nd, and all the candidates would tell you to please get out and vote. Uh, there's going to be a August is going to be a very, very, very busy, busy, busy election. There's a lot going on that uh, we will, I guess, try to tackle both uh, uh, locally, statewide, and on uh, the federal level, the national level as well. So a lot of things to think about. But, uh, of course, we were talking earlier about road and bridge and uh, some things that you feel are necessary at this particular point, and you had mentioned uh, a plan of action. And that plan of action obviously incorporates a couple of different things. The actual plan of action itself, how you plan to take care of things, and uh, you know at what pace, 
And I guess that pace is pretty well set by the financial end of this action plan because you have to have money in place in order to do uh, the kind of work and deliver the kind of product in roads, uh, bridges, infrastructure that uh, we can to the citizens of Camden County. And I, I guess money has always been kind of an issue when it comes to road and bridge. So uh, you mentioned a consultancy firm that was brought in to kind of look things over and uh, give their thoughts and ideas and opinions as to uh, maybe how things should be handled. Have uh, Have you seen any of that? Would you like to see it? Uh, if you do see it, do you think uh, all the citizens of Camden County should see it? Oh, absolutely, KB. I think uh, full disclosure on these types of reports that we uh, use uh, taxpayers' money to uh, to hire consultants and and come back with a final final report. I think that instrument needs to be uh, viewed by the residents. They need to be able to have access to it. And in fact, I'm preparing to make a sunshine request so that I can get my hands on the report and really go through it line by line so I understand uh, mm-hmm. uh, what suggestions and recommendations are made in the report. Something else that is obviously uh, of importance to Camden County is the ability to protect the citizens. And so that is uh, uh, a part of the job that we look at from the Camden County Sheriff's Department. Um, one of the big keys, one of the big issues that they have had, of course, is retaining uh, the deputies. Now, they uh, they pay for a lot of training for these men and women that go through the program, the various programs. And sometimes, and, and you know, I, I, I can't fault anyone for finding a better paying job. I mean, that is something that I think any of us would, uh, would want to do. Uh, if you had an opportunity to uh, make more money, have some benefits, um, I don't know, 401k or, uh, you know, some uh, some health insurance, things like that for not only you, but maybe your family as well. Uh, it's kind of hard to turn those things down. So when we talk about retention, um, do you have any thoughts on that? I don't know if you've spoke with the Sheriff Tony Helms or not uh, about uh, maybe some possible ways uh, that he is looking at wanting to uh, retain uh, the deputies so that, uh, you know, these folks aren't just coming in, getting the training. The county is spending that money on training, and uh, then those folks uh, go to greener pastures. I have not spoken uh, with Sheriff Helms yet. Uh, That is on my list to do. I am very interested and very concerned about law enforcement in in the county. As as you said, Public safety, individual safety should always be job one, uh, regardless of what our position is. Um, I, I do believe that uh, it's a responsibility of all of us to bring forward concerns um, and to leadership in the county so that those con- concerns can be addressed. And with regards to the sheriff's department, of course, um, th- this business of um, uh, salaries and wages and benefits uh, are of, of an of of extreme importance uh, should be to all of us because you're exactly right. We don't want our sheriff's department or any of our departments actually to become training grounds uh, for other uh, municipalities and counties across our state or, or anywhere. Uh, We want to be able to retain our um, well-trained employees. You know, Job satisfaction is an interesting moving target because what may be important to one person may may or may not be important to another person. And here I go back again with bringing people together and saying, let's talk about this. Let's talk about, uh, I don't know, I don't know if they do exit interviews 
with deputies. I haven't gotten that far with the HR department to find out, uh, not the deputies and the entire staff of the Sheriff's Department, to find out why are you leaving, um, what would you like to see change to make uh, to enhance job satisfaction. So I totally agree, KB. This is this is a huge issue and it needs to be addressed. We also know that there's with any new job, there's always a learning curve. Mm-hmm. And um, my goodness, to put uh, law enforcement officers in, in patrol cars out and uh, our um, in our county, uh, it's it's a rural count. You know, lots of rural areas, lots of uh, uh, nooks and crannies, and for them to get to to learn the the geography, the topography, to be able to know the roads, to be able to know the people, and we can't forget culture. You know, there's a there's cultural knowledge that needs to be there's not there's that's not an immediate handoff. You come to be a sheriff's deputy in Camden County, say you were a deputy in Carroll County, two different, totally separate geographic type areas and mm-hmm. and uh um d- don't forget we have uh, how many acres of what f- how many square miles of uh water in our county a lot so there's those relationships that need to be honed and nurtured with the water patrol the state hi- the um is highway department just tons of uh knowledge that needs to be that you that you yourself can only um learn uh, um and when that walks out when people leave for other jobs that knowledge goes with them that's mm-hmm. not transferable knowledge that's on the job so i am a huge supporter of law enforcement i want to make sure that uh, we get the right people we pay them properly uh, that they're satisfied with the job that they're assigned to do uh, and here i go again with taking the pulse you know regularly visit with these folks and say how are things going with you do you see opportunities for improvement that you'd like to share with us Open those lines of communication, build those relationships. And yes, I will be talking with the sheriff. So, uh, you know, with every person that runs for any elected office, they all kind of have their own little take on the situation as far as maybe some things uh, that you uh, kind of favor or are looking at and, you know, wanting to do if elected as presiding commissioner uh, that maybe someone else doesn't you know and i think there's the basic things that we've talked about road and bridge and the sheriff's department are two of the big ones but what are some other things that uh, you have and, and you've done an extensive amount of research if you could see all the paperwork that she's brought in here uh what are some of the things that you feel uh, again are necessary uh in order to uh to do the job and, and things uh, that uh, you would like to implement if you were elected by the uh citizens of Camden County? Well, that is a great question because you're exactly right. I have spent, um, uh, and I continue to spend um, time every single day talking to individuals about their county. And along with that dump truck, you may recall that on my banners, I I fly the slogan, um, your county, your leader. And for me, that's not just a political slogan. That's the real deal because I will work for the taxpayer. I will work for the citizens. And the unique flavor that I would like to bring to the county, in addition to, as I've said, uh, the past few minutes, diving into the financials, the budgets, um, taking a look at um, 
all types of things that impact our county. I, I want you to know that if any of you are interested, <laughs> if you really, if you want to know what uh, the, the Missouri Constitution says about um, the roles and responsibilities of county commissions and and uh, and county commissioners, uh, check out uh, Chapter Forty Nine of the Revised Statutes. Uh, you'll get a good idea as to what we are called upon as representatives who sit. Uh, in uh, the commission chairs as to what our responsibilities are. So, yes, KB, there's actually a, a quick little um, primer on that, that that can be found. But what I, And what I feel like I bring to uh, the position as presiding commissioner has to do with things that uh, really aren't um, the shiny bobble kind of topics. They're hardcore topics that I believe... Um, uh, are going to uh, help us to uh, be the type of county where once people, we know people want to move to Cameron County. We know that we've experienced some some great influx of people from all over the United States because they hear about Cameron County, they want to come, they hear about our schools, uh, they they our recreational activities with around the lake. And when they get here then and they get settled in that house and they get those kids enrolled in schools, then what do we have to offer them? What are the things that they're concerned about? And I'm going to start with things like recycling. I want to talk about recycling. I want to talk about um, being able to understand why we don't have recycling, what we can do about bringing recycling to the lake, and uh, how we make that happen. I want to talk about um, activities that maybe aren't the kind of things that not everybody plays golf or not everybody hikes and not everybody goes and and enjoys uh, being out on the water. Well, we have an an incredibly wonderful uh, vast acres of of nature and we have some great organizations that we can introduce people to like master naturalist and and all the scouting activities that we have get the children enrolled in um, scouts itself or the the churches all have wonderful youth activities so introduce families to uh, to a quality those quality of life issues and along that line there's a much more sober topic I'd like to to talk about, and that has to be if let me let me preface my comment by saying our commissioners like to talk about us Camden County being a class one uh non chartered form of government well, you know that all has to do and i've uh, as you say, I brought all my little notes, but I understand you know what it takes uh by the Missouri Association of counties uh to be actually considered a class one non-chartered form of government. And that's when our assessed valuation of $900 million and over after the county has made such a valuation for five years. So it's, it's, there's a dollar figure involved here. But I hear a lot, of to- a lot of talk about Camden County, we're a class one county. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that means more than just our valuation. We have issues in this county that impact families on a daily basis that I think we as a, well, Myself, I will speak for myself, that I take very seriously, and I'm going to tell you, it's something a lot of people don't want to talk about, and that's our behavioral health issues. Like many states in in the United States, we have an alcohol and drug abuse, substance abuse issue right here at home in our county. I've spent many, many years involved in behavioral health um, 
in my professional life. As many of you know, I serve as the Chief Operating Officer for the Beam Lighthouse Recovery Community Center, which is on the Bagnell Dam Strip, and it's uh, it's to uh, perpetuate uh, people making new friends and and uh, having a new uh, sober environment where they can play pool and some cards. And I'm all about helping people uh, get into recovery and stay into recovery. These are the things we need to talk about. We also know uh, data is showing us that um, due to uh, the COVID uh, isolation during COVID, uh, we have a lot of uh, behavioral health issues that uh, uh, were exacerbated during that time. Lack of uh, lack of being out and about and in nature and uh, being socially isolated. Those are the kind of things that I want to make sure that people are talking about. And if there's something that I can do as presiding commissioner of Camden County to encourage those discussions, I guarantee you I will do that. Because if we really want to be a first class county, we need to offer families once they get here, like you said, a safe place mm-hmm. with our law enforcement. We need to offer activities that are that are safe for individuals and families. We need to be concerned about the behavioral health issues that are staring us in the face daily. And um, recycling, those are just a few of the many topics I'm concerned about. So you mentioned recycling. Give us a little insight as to what it is you're talking about. I mean, having more places around the lake area where people are in Camden County, where people can uh, drop off recyclables. I know uh, one of the... Uh, uh, Waste companies, they uh, they pick up recyclables. They're pretty big about that. I know that there's some people in our neighborhood. Uh, you've got your uh, bin for your you know regular trash, and then you've got a bin for recyclables, whether it's plastic or aluminum or certain other things. Uh, so there there are some steps being taken by people. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you looking at? Maybe because I know that this is probably going to be the question people are most likely to ask you when it comes to recycling. What are we talking about money-wise? Okay, well, here we go again. I think recycling, we we have pockets, just like all kinds of things that, that we have. We have better roads in some areas and not so good roads in other areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the recycling issue, what's been brought to my attention is we have pockets of areas that are, are fortunate and they, they do subscribe to... Um, uh, services that that are available to them, and then we have areas that don't have those services. That are, it's kind of like the broadband conversation, really, KB, mm-hmm. as to uh, well, that kind of that conversation kind of kind of went out the window. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah. You know, I, it was it was big. It was something that a lot of people were talking about. And, uh, right. you know, we mentioned this earlier about the ARPA money mm-hmm. that a lot of people have asked for various uh, things when it comes to the ARPA money. Uh, are they going to overpromise and underdeliver? Yeah. And I- that might be something that whoever the uh, presiding commissioner is after uh, the election on August 2nd, that person is going to be uh, kind of left holding the bag. Well, <laughs> again, I appreciate that that comment and that and, uh the discussion needs to be had. I, I sat in on the um, the presentation of information that Baird, Kurtz & Dodson, the uh, BKD, uh, the accounting firm, uh, their Springfield office has been very involved in uh, distribution and allocation of these ARPA funds. And uh, there were really more questions to be asked at the end of the presentation than the presentation itself. I'm not saying that um, putting any blame on BKD, they're a reputable uh, CPA firm, consulting firm, uh, but there's more questions to to be asked and more answers to be gotten mm-hmm. about ARPA as a whole, but specifically in Camden County. I walked out of that meeting having taken numerous notes and um, 
was shocked of the questions that are still to be answered with regards to distribution of those funds. As a taxpayer, I, well, I sat there as, you know, I'm always thinking of, of, of of my uh, relationship with the currently with the county as a taxpayer, and I felt like there were a number of unanswered um, questions. They did entertain a few questions from uh, from the audience, which, as you may know, that is quite unusual in our current model of doing business and commission meetings. But um, I think ARPA money needs to be the questions need to be asked, the hard questions need to be asked, like all the finances in the county. So. With, let's get back to the recycling. Uh, there are pockets of people in the county that feel they are unrepresented with regards to the recycling needs. And I'm just saying publicly, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a great example of why I want to be out and about, meet people and talk to them about their satisfaction, dissatisfaction with what's going on. So if it's, it's a one-off, if it's a two-off, at least I, they deserve an answer from me at, when I am elected presiding commissioner to know what's the status of getting recycling to their area. And again, um, any, any preliminary uh, numbers that you've looked out, looked at in terms of a cost involved in that? No, I have not. And that's again, that over, not going to over promise and under deliver. I want to really get into that subject and, and know what we're talking about. But I did want to address it today because it has been brought up every week. Someone mentions recycling to me. We've got a couple of minutes left here, uh, and of course, we've been talking with Lydia Porter. She is the candidate, uh, one of the candidates running for the office of presiding commissioner of Camden County. Uh, you also mentioned the behavioral health issues. Um, there are places that we have in place already um, that deal with uh, people who have these types of behavioral issues, whether it's an addiction or something that could have very easily been caused by being. Uh, uh, shut up and shut in during uh, during COVID. Um, are you looking at uh, wanting to add to this, or, or or what is kind of your thought process there? Well, first of all, uh, facilities. Uh, yes, there are facilities that deal with behavioral health issues in Camden County, and behavioral health, by definition, we talk those also include our substance abuse issues, but it also includes anxiety, depression, suicidal ideation, mm-hmm. a plethora of uh, of diagnoses. I'm not saying that, and I don't want to imply that the county be in the business of owning or operating any kind of facility. That's that's a that's private business, mm-hmm. and um, there are people out there that uh, do a very good job at um, manage managing and operating behavioral health, uh, just like uh, any of our other um, health care needs. We hope that we have the best and the finest available to our citizens. However, behavioral health is one of those subjects that still has so, has so much stigma attached to it. Uh, the people who I meet, again, just yesterday I, I met some wonderful people who have challenges with their adult children. Uh, ra- these, these folks are raising their grandchildren and they would like to have more support for them, like uh, a support group, of, and I'm looking into that at the mm-hmm. beam, by the way, just a free support group where people can come and talk about their challenges. The hospital over the years has offered some great uh, things with regards to mental health um, support services but i'm saying we need to unwrap this take it out make it a non-stigma issue and just talk to people about um activities that we could involve ourselves in real quick before we let you go uh any place uh, where people can go to find out more about uh, you and your campaign uh facebook uh, websites anything like that yes i do have i have a, a facebook presence i have a website presence uh i um 
we're, I'm actually revising a couple things on the, the website, um, so bear with me on that. Uh, but I am available. May I give my telephone?